Hi, and welcome to the Living Room Scripture Lessons. My name is Brad Constantine, and this set of lessons is from the Come Follow Me curriculum of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official recording of the Church, every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. There are several other Come Follow Me resources to help with your Gospel and Scripture study. These lessons tend to go a little deeper into the doctrine than most resources. Hopefully this resource will be different enough from the others that you'll come back each week. On the Living Room Scripture Lesson website is a digital version of the lessons, which has more material than can be mentioned in the podcast. You can download that PDF resource and use it as you like. As with other online resources, you can like, share, and subscribe to the podcasts. Again, welcome to this Come Follow Me resource. I hope you like it. All right, welcome back to the Come Follow Me lesson. Again, we're on lesson number 50, which has to do with the book of Revelation, and this time we're going to do chapter 13. So let me give you just a brief background of chapter 13. Bruce R. McConkie said, The prophet Joseph Smith gave this counsel to missionaries, Declare the first principles and let mysteries alone, lest ye be overthrown. Never meddle with the visions of beasts and subjects you do not understand. He then read Revelation 13, 1-8 as an illustration of scriptural passages which should not be used in presenting the message of the restoration to the world. With reference to this passage, he named some of the speculative interpretations found in the sectarian world and pointed, said pointedly that they are not true, gave some explanations which, some, which show the general concept involved, but refrained from identifying those nations and kingdoms whose acts and course are set forth in the imagery revealed to John. And that was by Joseph Smith. So um, we don't always know the meaning of all of these beasts that are being mentioned, nor, nor of the countries which they may represent, but uh, we'll take a look and see if we can figure some of this out, if we're supposed to understand uh, the book of Revelation. All right, chapter 13, verse 1. And I saw another sign in the likeness of the kingdoms of the earth, a beast, the great and abominable, rise up out of the sea, and he stood upon the sand of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. Joseph Smith said, when God made use of the figure of a beast in visions to the prophets, he did it to represent those kingdoms which had degenerated and become corrupt, savage and beast-like in their dispositions. Even the degenerate kingdoms of the wicked world the beast that rose up out of the sea should be translated the image of a beast, meaning that it was symbolic rather than literal. Revelation 17 is another appearance of the beast where we are given the interpretation of it. The seven heads represent seven mountains. The heads may also represent seven kings. The ten horns represent ten kings who are yet to come. These kings receive their power from the beast. If Rome does not fit the descriptions in some respects, it is only as a prototype or symbol of the true beast of the last days. And that was from understanding the book of Revelation. Verse 2, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a dragon, and the dr of a lion, and the dragon gave him, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. The translators have used the term dragon for devil. There is a mistranslation of the word dragon in the second verse. The original word signifies the devil and not dragon as translated. So let me, let me go back. And, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the, and the, uh, the devil gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his, great, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. 
and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? When the old devil shall give power to the beast to do all his mighty works, all the world will wonder. That was Joseph Smith. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Again, that's three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he said, and he had two horns like a lamb. This is an imitation of Christ, and he spake as a dragon. This beast or kingdom controls the economy of the earth and requires people to associate themselves with the beast if they wish to have part in that economy. His exact identity, whether as a kingdom or a false prophet, has not been revealed. That was again from understanding the book of Revelation. Verse 12, And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. The righteous who live under the threat of martyrdom, thankfully as Nephi saw, the saints will be armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory, and they will emerge victorious. Again, uh, from the understanding of the book of Revelation. Now, it's, it's interesting to, to look at this uh, verse here, verse 15. Uh, that as the beast is wounded and then comes back to life again, I wonder if that might be uh, communist Russia, who uh, apparently seemed to have been destroyed and yet seems to be coming back. Verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their, in their right hand or in their foreheads. What the mark is has not been revealed. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the, name of, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Perhaps the saints will survive by living the law of consecration during this time. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. <clears throat> now there's lots of uh, controversy about this, so let me just read you a couple of explanations here to kind of help us understand it better. Maybe uh, realize it's not as bad as we think. <clears throat> um... First of all, this enigmatic phrase or this unusual phrase has intrigued readers for nearly 2,000 years, inviting fanciful predictions and mystical formulations. Unfortunately, the only distinct clue the author provides is the statement, it is the number of a man. We have two other clues about the number 666 in Revelation 13 to 18, 13 verse 18. First, in ancient alphabets, letters function also as numbers. For instance, A is 1, B is 2, and so on. In Revelation 13:18 that we just read, the number is apparently a man's number, either the number of letters in his name, the sum of the letters in his name, or the total of the number equivalent of each letter in his name. Second, the manuscripts of the New Testament contain the following variants for this passage. 
So there's actually three different uh, translations of the number uh, from the various manuscripts of the New Testament, 666, 646, and 616. These two clues may clarify whom the early church referred to, but they do not necessarily reveal whom John, the original author, intended. Interestingly, the name Caesar Nero is spelled two different ways in the bilingual environment of the early church. Caesar Nero, Latin, and Kaiser Neron, Greek. If these two different spellings are transliterated into Hebrew, and if the values of the letters are added, the sums are 616 and 666. As noted above, Latin manuscripts of the New Testament often contain the number 616, and Greek manuscripts often contain the number 666. A newly discovered Oxy... <laughs> Oxyrhynchus papyrus found in Latin-speaking North Africa offers further support for the 616 reading. I butchered that name, by the way. I don't have any idea how to say that. This fanciful reconstruction, however, may reveal more about, the, about who early church Christians thought John had in mind than who was originally intended. The solution also does not explain the variant 646, which has often been dismissed as a scribal mistake, Regardless of whom John intended with this enigmatic passage, two things seem to be clear. First, whoever is referred to in Revelation 13:18, John felt a need to disguise that person's identity, perhaps out of fear. Second, early Christians possibly believed that the Antichrist of the book of Revelation, designated as 666, would be a character and disposition similar to that of Nero Caesar. So we're not sure exactly who this is or who it represents, but those are some possibilities. It's most likely is it Nero Caesar. This is Revelation chapter 14. Okay, let me just jump right in here. And I looked, verse 1, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. Now, again, John is seeing what God sees. Uh, this has to do, however, with the second coming, uh, because we know that uh, this is... Uh, with 144,000, but let me just read you a couple things out of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 84. Yea, the word of the Lord concerning his church, established in the last days for the restoration of his people, as he has spoken by the mouth of his prophets, and for the gathering of his saints to stand upon Mount Zion, which shall be the city of New Jerusalem, which city shall be built beginning at the temple lot, which is appointed by the finger of the Lord, in the western boundaries of the state of Missouri, and dedicated by the hand of Joseph Smith, Jr., and others with whom the Lord was well pleased. Verily, this is the word of the Lord, that the city of New Jerusalem shall be built by the gathering of the saints, beginning at this place, even the place of the temple, which temple shall be reared in this generation. And the sons of Moses and of Aaron shall be filled with the glory of the Lord upon Mount Zion in the Lord's house, whose sons are ye, and also many whom I have called and sent forth to build up my church. And so uh, the second coming is going to happen, uh, and uh, the temple will be built. Continuing verse 1, And with him an 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads, there will be 144,000 saviors on Mount Zion, and with them an innumerable host that no man can number. And that was Joseph Smith. Verse 2, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 140 and 4,000, which were redeemed from the earth. Remember that in section 84, verses 96 to 102 is a, the words to a new song. Verse 4, These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These, are redeemed. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. 
now, the fact that it mentions that they're virgins doesn't necessarily mean that they're virgins, but that they are true and faithful to their spouse. Verse 5, And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Verse 6, this is a scripture mastery verse, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Now, if we back up a little bit and talk about this angel here, the angel flying through the midst of heaven, uh, Moroni delivered the Book of Mormon, and that was from Joseph Smith. President Hinckley said, John the Revelator saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. That angel has come. His name is Moroni. His is a voice speaking from the dust, bringing another witness of the living reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have not as yet carried the gospel to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, but we have made great strides. We have gone wherever we are permitted to go. God is at the helm, and doors will be opened by his power according to his divine will. Of that I am confident. Of that I am certain. The angel John sees in, sees a representative of the many angels that would be involved in the restoration of the gospel. So when he sees this angel, it is also a representation of all the angels that Jesus, I mean, that Joseph Smith saw and others saw. Verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in their foreheads, or in his hand, remember that, uh, well, I'll go on a little bit more. Verse 10, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And, in, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of, it, of his name... Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die. And this is the second blessed. Remember I said at the beginning in chapter 1 that there are seven blessednesses or seven beatitudes in the book of Revelation. This is the second one. Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. In other words, they rest from their labors for a long time, and yet their work is held in reserve for them, that they are permitted to do the same works after they receive a resurrection from their bodies. And that's Joseph Smith. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. Remember, white again means victory. And upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. So this must be at the harvest time. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple. This kind of gives me some support for the fact that uh, the second coming, I think, will happen in the fall uh, when the harvest is done. 17, And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the, into the great 
winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without or outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse's bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. In other words, that's about 200 miles. Uh, and that's from that's the distance from Dan to Beersheba, which is from the north to the south of Israel. So that's what he's talking about. This so this, this sounds like the destruction of people at the Battle of Armageddon is what he's talking about here. Um, so I bear testimony of the truth of these things that uh, the Book of Revelation uh, is pretty amazing. I love reading it. I hope you are getting something out of it too. And I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.